Hello and welcome to the St. Mark's podcast, Bread in the Wilderness. I'm Holly. I'm Tyler. And today we're sitting down to look at the readings appointed for the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord, uh, which we'll be observing this coming Sunday. And today we're going through these scripture readings and um, praying them in abbreviated abbreviated Lexio Divina style, spinning out words and phrases and images that capture our attention and call to us, make some sort of claim on us of who our gracious God is and who we also are called to be. So we'll start with our collect for Holy Scripture and then the collect for the presentation. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and ever-living God, we humbly pray that as your only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple, so we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I like the claim that you you hear, Mm. because, like, ostensibly, aren't we here to understand Scripture? Isn't that part Mm. of the idea? Like, that, that would be a fair assumption to me. I think that would be fair. And then... And yet. <laughs> and yet, um, I think it's like it's really interesting how post Enlightenment, post Descartes, we see understanding as like basically a cognitive fun- function of me mm. getting everything all sorted in my head. But like the actual etymology of understanding is to stand under. <laughs> like when we say in the ordination rites, like, you know, the, the Holy Scriptures contain all things necessary for salvation. Like, it, that's an acknowledgement of your willingness to stand under scripture to acknowledge its claim mm-hmm. on you. I think the great danger of all Bible study is that you stop standing under it and you stand over it. Mm. Like Mary, Martha stands over Jesus. Mm-hmm. She goes, walks over to him, stands over him. So yeah, it's just like when yeah. you're praying the scriptures in this way, it's always this temptation to like avoid or be aware of that we're not after some kind of mastery of the text. Right. We actually, we're being asked to let it master us. Mm-hmm. And that, that claim scripture makes on us is not merely a cognitive understanding in reverse, but right. a relational claiming. Yeah. Known and loved. Yeah. Seen. Seen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the presentation is kind of the collex. Words like pure and clean hearts make me itchy, you know. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if this is a Cranmer collect or not. But rather than that being something that we heroically perform, um, we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by Jesus Christ our Lord. Mm-hmm. So there you have the Reformation breaks through and we're presented in our only mediator, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. It seems like a minor yeah. thing, but I think it's, no, it's a huge. big deal. In whom we are made worthy to stand. Right. Which means we can stop trying to make ourselves worthy to stand. Or purify and cleanse our hearts. That way is spiritual death, to take that up for ourselves. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about what the actual presentation is? 
Oh, sure. So I think it's, it's seven days after birth he gets circumcised. Eighth day. Yeah. Eighth day. And then Mary's also in time out for having given birth to a son, firstborn son. I think that that's a that's 30 day. 40 days after, <laughs> after childbirth. Uh, the mother is like reintroduced into the temple community. Uh, and in the less pejorative version, I think it's sort of like, yeah, probably don't come to church with a newborn uh, and <laughs> rest and heal <laughs> more than you are <laughs> unclean. Yeah. Uh, but but, but yeah, there's a, a ritual reincorporation into community now as a parent. Okay, that's a more positive. Yeah. Um, but I think the point, especially in Luke, which is always trying to emphasize the continuity of temple Judaism and this new emerging thing around Jesus is that it's sort of in the same way that Matthew says not one jot or tittle of the law will be altered. There's this painstaking tracing of the life of faithful Jewish family mm-hmm. uh, that, Jewish, that, that Jesus is a part of. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that's often a very under appreciated thing about Luke's gospel in terms of like mm. Jewish Christian dialogue and Christian anti-Semitism. Mm. I always hear the presentation with echoes of the Samuel story of the child being presented in the temple. Um, oh yeah. Right. You know, Magnificat and Hannah's song are <laughs> very intertwined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the constant presence in the temple of Anna and Simeon. In the Orthodox Church, Simeon's called the God Receiver. It's so awesome. You know yeah. Mary Theotokos, God Bearer, mm-hmm. and Simeon the God Receiver. Yeah. It would be a good icon. Mary, Simeon, and Anna. Uh-huh. So the Old Testament text appointed is Malachi 3, 1-4. to Thus says the Lord, See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So the sort of like emphasis on uh, the, what transcendent otherness of God who comes to us, mm. who interrupts to remind us of the covenant that God made with us. It sort of reminds me a little bit of the building the temple and fashioning for God a house and then there's that I don't know why nobody laughs in church honestly mm. because that is hilarious like during the reading of scripture yes it's there are so many that are very funny very very funny uh, but that one is specific so I you know hey here's to let you in on a little secret I, I'm gonna be doing the building you know yeah no we had that I think Advent 4 that Christmas Eve morning of is that what that was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Do you think you are the one to build me a house? <laughs> says the Lord. <laughs> a lot of edge to that. Yeah, and yeah. then all those the way that's played out in like the epistles and stuff. It's like you know, 
you, you'll be like uh, spiritual stones built into a, mm-hmm. you know. A temple for the living God. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Peter, right? I think so. And then, like, just sort of remembering who's the subject of the verbs, basically. Right. Like, it all goes wrong when you forget that. It's God's the refiner, God's the, the fuller, the purifier. Mm-hmm. Uh, what needs to be purified will be perfect purified in God's own time Mm -hmm. with exquisite uh, gentleness most of the time yeah Uh, always in the trust that like yeah uh, you were created and called good and there is actually some gold or silver that remains (laughs) right Mm -hmm. so I think that's that's the fearful version of God as refiners well what will be left and there's no something will be left very often the gold and silver is not what we thought the gold and silver might be. Wheat and tares echo. Pruned off. Yeah. Yeah, and anytime we set ourselves up as the purifier, either against ourselves or against other people's, it's just terrible things happen. Yep. I find this passage so moving, really. Mm-hmm. That God's people will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. <laughs> yeah, the great hope yeah, that we cannot do by ourselves. Yeah, it's like, obviously it's very messianic and mm-hmm. eschatological, I guess, but it's this beautiful picture of Eucharist, too, really. Yeah. Handing back the gift that was given mm-hmm. in this sort of beautiful game of hot potato or something. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Yeah, the presenting of ourselves as a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My kids thought the presentation of our Lord was like Jesus giving a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> or like he's, he's teaching them about yeah. something, you know, like... The Apple keynote of our Lord. Yeah, this is the, this is the presentation of our Lord. He's going he's gonna to give a presentation now. He's yeah. got seven minutes. Yeah. And uh, can you all hear me in the back? Keynote lecture of our Lord. You've got my laser pointer. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I hope it's okay. I chose Psalm 84. Is that I'm not to mad. Preach, That's to preach great. On the, is that in the bulletin? This it one? is in the bulletin. We're doing some... Yes. Some. <laughs> okay, great. Best ever. Right? According to me, yeah. Um, yeah, let's do alternate verses. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts. My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. Sparrow has found her a house and will swallow a nest where she may lay her young by the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will reveal himself in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Beholder, behold our defender, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room, and to stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is both sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of hosts, happy are they who put their trust in you.
all those happies are it's Asher hmm. in Hebrew, which must mean like blessed. Beatitudes. <laughs> they are, yeah. And kind of really pointing to the source of all the Beatitudes. Like, hmm. Blessed are they who put their trust in you, in you alone. Mm -hmm. I love the play between home and the journey. Pilgrim's Way. Yeah. Yeah. The sparrow in her house, the swallow nesting at God's altar, dwelling in the house. Best place ever, better than a thousand days in my own room. And yet also simultaneously hearts set on the pilgrim's way, mm -hmm. moving through the desolate valley and finding God revealed there, finding a place of springs in that barren place, walking with integrity. I don't know. I've, I've, it's the where is the house of the Lord? Is it a particular place? Yeah. Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me mm -hmm. all the days of my life. And that's how I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I don't know, if you're going to read the Psalms Christologically, which I think you should. Yep. Psalm 1 is, uh, happy is he who has not walked in the way of the wicked. Mm. Um, pointing to Christ, uh, not us. <laughs> <laughs> and I just hear, like, the foxes have their holes, and mm. birds their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. As this, like, simultaneous, like you're saying, rooted and grounded in transparency to the love of the Father and so at home mm -hmm. and like always on the move, mm -hmm. not at holding on or yeah. hanging out in any particular place. Just like always, at, flow. Yeah. always at home and also utterly responsive to whatever the situation demands. Mm -hmm. Wasn't this our um, stewardship thing? Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> And do you remember, was it the day after Mary Barlow died? I do remember that. It was me, we, you, and Chris Wooten in an empty church on Zoom. And people, you know, greeting each other at the peace in the chat. It was those days. Wow. And Mary Barlow had just died. And it was the presentation. And there were sparrows in the church. <laughs> Under the altar as we were celebrating the Eucharist. Yeah. And, and Mary Barlow particularly loved this. She did. This, is, this in the passage from Hebrews, <laughs> piercing the veil. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that wasn't on camera, though. The, did we mention on the camera that there was know. a sparrow, like, right under the, the holy <laughs> that was crazy. table? <laughs> yeah. You know, also there's the, the swallow, like a nest. Mm -hmm. So there's this, like, what, like utter intimacy with mm -hmm. God and at easeness. Mm -hmm. like I, when I think of, like, birds in the nest, I, I don't think of them as, like, totally freaked out and looking around. Like, like to me, it seems like mm. once everybody's in there, keep your head down. Like, mm. you got nothing to worry about, really. Yeah. Right. But then I also, I hear that as like Jesus like making his nest in us mm. we have an incarnation and mm -hmm. there's this other so like who's nesting in who really mm -hmm. like probably best not to keep the wicked the tents of the wicked at arm's length right mm -hmm. you could reflect like when, what are the moments during the day that I was dwelling in the tents of the wicked or the or the house yeah. of the Lord right? or in the house of the Lord um, and, and what are the ways that I 
What does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that sound like in your head? What mm. kind of things come out of your mouth? You know? Mm. You know, like, I don't think... Wicked doesn't just mean, like, you've got a pentagram around your neck and you mm. listen to, like, death metal or something. <laughs> <laughs> the probably strongest scriptural associations are the proud and stiff-necked. Yeah. Doing it by yourself. Yeah. And there's often some kind of, like, um, yeah, fear and self-sufficiency yeah. at work there. So to, to like really live in the psalm, I think it's like to sort of feel your way into nesting and being nested in. Mm-hmm. You know, where is the house of the Lord? Yeah, it could it could just be the contrast between one day in your courts, the Lord, <laughs> versus my own room. Like the tents of the wicked is my own room. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> by myself. Yeah. Road dance the thinker. Ooh. Or actually, from our story today, the Chekhov, mm. the man in the case. Everywhere he goes, he wears galoshes and carries an umbrella. Mm-hmm. He's got a pen knife that's in a case. He's got everything's got a case, and he's got mm-hmm. all these rules, and he's very duty bound. And he even goes and spends an hour or two sitting silently with his colleagues as as a gesture of getting to know them better. And they all hate it, and he hates it. <laughs> it's, it's it's a really good story, but yeah. like it's this rather horrifying picture of self-enclosure mm. and like living death essentially yeah. Chekhov even says he's like reality adverse like he, he is, doesn't like, doesn't like reality most of us don't right yeah but that's that can be the indicator of what wickedness actually looks like right like resistance to how yeah. things are encased mm-hmm. yeah preference or requirement or demand or something yeah the lord god is both sun and shield Mm-hmm. Safekeeping, yeah, that you might need. Hebrews two fourteen to eighteen, since God's children share flesh and blood, Jesus Himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that He did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So yeah, this is what I was talking about, actually. There's this contrast in the book of Hebrews, of um, letter to the Hebrews, sorry, between the the day-after-day sacrifices that the priests have to make in the temple and the once-and-for-all sacrifice that Jesus makes. So this, I think, is on the heels of, heels of that, but sort of pushing the incarnational pace of being like us in every respect. Mm. Come to help angels, but actual people, descendants of Abraham, his identification with our humanity is uh, complete in every respect without sin he makes a sacrifice of atonement (laughs) (laughs) a lot of the church spends a lot of time doing backflips on trying to avoid that language but there it is so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death and it'll be interesting what holds us captive it's slavery by the fear of death. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that's it's, that's 
like pretty like straight up like this is why he came mm-hmm. this is what he's freeing us from slavery to the fear of death death as the ultimate limitation on our delusional mm-hmm. self-enclosure confronts us with <laughs> how that doesn't work at all Joan Tolleson you know, she's got a book called death the end of self-improvement <laughs> <laughs> So there is an end to self-improvement? <laughs> well, she's Thank kind God. of saying, like, would that we lived in the light of death in that way, yeah. because, yeah, it's like, who's the subject of the verbs? Mm. You know, who's doing the refining? Who's doing the purifying? And who's doing the improving, if there is any? Jesus becomes like us in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. It's an interesting way to put the the reason for incarnation Mm. so that God might be merciful and faithful to us (laughs) and that fully entering in Mm -hmm. makes God able to help us yeah like I I love the last sentence because he himself was tested by what he suffered he's able to help those who are being tested Mm -hmm. so the happy clappy picture of the you know Teflon Christian Mm rainbows and unicorns and lollipops pom-poms pom-poms yeah you could go on but it'll start getting personal (laughs) (laughs) but uh you can use your pom-poms yeah but like just the the good news in that that you know um we don't how often is like suffering treated as like punishment or proof that god doesn't love me or that god is absent Right, only yeah. when we're held captive to that picture of the Christian light is just mm. steady ascent into I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know, permanent state of fill in the blank and, and a big bank account. Yeah, and and kids who can smile and shake hands. Shake hands. Yeah. And I think is sort of the idea. In a couple of weeks a year, and mm-hmm. I don't know, somewhere warm or cold, so you can ski. <laughs> Faith starts to sound like just having money in that picture. Mm. Yeah. Performing, performing virtue. Right? Mm. Yeah. Deception. So it's not that. There is testing and suffering. <laughs> right. And yeah. God's in it. And that if we're going back to Malachi, um, it's not very, I don't, I'm not sure, like, it's not a very popular thing to say, um, but there are, Holly's leaning back in her chair and looking at Well, I realized that I had my fist up and I was like, okay, tell me the not popular thing. <laughs> okay. No, just the... That something new comes out of the dead end of our suffering yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And that there can be a redemptive aspect to yes. the suffering that we undergo. And like, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but if I look at the most painful parts of my life... Um, I would never choose to go through them again, and I wouldn't wish them on anybody else, honestly. But I, I can't say that some new appreciation of who and how God is for us, mm-hmm. some new understanding of myself as a beloved child of God, didn't emerge from that suffering. Yeah. All creation groans in longing, waiting <laughs> for the revelation of the children of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like birth pain. Yeah. It's just what creation is undergoing. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know, I've always sort of thought of that as, like, an odd 
pointers to like the existence of God for the ability to draw mm-hmm. new things out of what I really thought were dead ends. You know, it's awful. Yeah. yeah, desolate valleys. Yeah, somehow found those places of springs. Like what yeah. the heck? Like, yeah, it's impossible. It is. Yeah, yeah. just like uh, Absalom yesterday. Yeah, Oof. hanging between heaven and earth. This Gospel? section from Luke is insane. So yeah. like we could do this for five hours. Okay. But... Try and restrain ourselves a little bit. <laughs> this is all still in Luke too. I know. <laughs> yeah. The nativity. Okay. Luke two, twenty two to forty. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow, to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I mean, just the real sort of contours of it. Uh, Simeon, this man, was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Guided by the Holy Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. So you have this sort of characteristically Lucan uh, emphasis on the work of the Spirit. This is especially evident in the Acts, where it's been the Spirit's mm. work has been compared to like a s- steamroller. Plowing through everything, but so this highlighting of the role of the uh, spirit, and then these two, yeah, interesting pictures of Simeon, the God receiver, and Anna, the one who never leaves the temple. This goes back to our Mary Barlow, sparrow at the altar, and what we were saying in the uh, Jesus, like always being on the move and always being at home at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think Anna. Like, maybe she did just, like, hang out in the temple. Maybe she's, like, a proto-monastic or something. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the question, what does it mean to never leave the temple? Sure. Is really important. Um, because that 
is an invitation into lifelong and life-wide discipleship. If you want to use such terms. Right? Like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Again, the dwelling in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, Anna's showing us that. Right. Uh, yeah. Not fixed to any particular geographic location, but um, instead to putting trust in God, nesting with God who comes to us. Yeah. Mine eyes. Peace. He, he gazes on the salvation of the world. Mm-hmm. Jews and Gentiles alike, a theme throughout all of Luke and Acts, sort of have the Bethlehem star, seen by both the shepherds mm. locally and the Magi from the regions afar. And again, now, this light is revelation to insiders and outsiders alike. And then, you know, we were talking about, well, yeah, redemptive suffering, or that just because we're Suffering afflictions doesn't mean that God doesn't love us or God is absent. Mm. But this is like very powerfully pointed out in Solomon's blessing Mary when he's, you know, he says the sword will pierce your own soul too mm-hmm. and that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. I think, I don't know, you hang around church long enough, it's like actually like verifiably true that when the gospel's preached or when people do things from the place of keeping close company with Jesus, uh, it makes a lot of people really mad and sometimes murderously mad. Mm. And like part of the gospel's, I think, role is actually to provoke the inner thoughts of many, Mm. to air them out, to let them be seen. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, this might be like the, what is the American thing on free speech, the marketplace of ideas or something? (laughs) Yeah. But like... The gospel has this effect of like, like the demons can't help but yell. Like, we know who you are. Yeah. It's the drawing out. Yeah. Yeah. And shouted like, from the housetops. So again, like, that should be like expected that when the gospel's preached that it's, uh, it's opposite will also mm-hmm. come to light. Like in the season of Epiphany. So you, you get to see like, this is the good, the beautiful and the true. Mm-hmm. And then you also get to see the shadow it's opposite yeah. like so that the light of epiphany does both of those things it shows us the goodness of god for us come to us and then it also illuminates all the really stuck dark places mm-hmm. yeah and the, the sword that will pierce your own soul too to keep company with jesus is to be brokenhearted for a hurting world yeah. to keep vigil with mary at the foot of the cross yeah. um, come very close to god suffering everything for us I don't know. This year, I was I was just because I've I've often and I don't know what this is like, right or wrong or whatever. But mm. I've used Simeon, and maybe that's the problem, right? I've just used Simeon and Anna to make some human point of mm. what this means in terms of applicability, you know, like to, to the life of discipleship. Is also, mm. you know, so what does Simeon models like the receiving of Jesus? Mm-hmm. She does, and. Uh, being rooted and grounded, in, which I think in God's is, presence, yeah, yeah, I think that's fine to draw those moral lessons from it. But I also like there is the the Lord has come into His temple, <laughs> like that's mm. good to hold those two things in tension. I think, yeah, because it can't just be like handy tips for discipleship. Oof, no, right? Like this is a mystery to be yeah. marveled at, wondered at. Yeah, because what's happening is the, the temple 
is going into the temple to be offered to the temple. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's utterly um, mm-hmm. mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah, the Gospels, yeah, it's always both where it's about us and we live in light of and underneath and within the story. Um, and they also have this weird eyewitness account quality of there was this man named Simeon who was so old, right? And like, yeah. and he saw God come into the temple as prophesied through all, all of these prophets, all of this waiting and yearning and longing. And this man saw it. Right. To die happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it's like, for people who don't know, like Luke's gospel, of course, has all the songs. The canticles. Of and, the daily uh, office, yeah. Uh, and also the, the role of women is foregrounded a lot, so uh-huh. like this is another example of, like, so you've got Anna. Yeah. Um, who doesn't get a song. She should have Anna's song. I know. That's too bad. So maybe she's grumbly because she doesn't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe she's taking a vow of silence. Yeah, it could be. No, she praises God. These are the songs. Well, uh, but really more the... Mm. Uh, it, it's not such like a dude bro gospel. Sure. Luke is always breaking down any kind of binary you can find. The sacrifice they make is the sacrifice of poor folks would make. Mm-hmm. Turtle doves or two young pigeons. Was it? It's if, if you're a little more well-to-do, there's a, there's a classier sacrifice for a firstborn. But if you're just scraping by, then uh, turtle doves can do in a pinch but Luke has all the, the back and forth uh, reversals between rich and poor first and last Male very female. often gives okay. us pairs of men and women in all these stories or okay. passages next to each other the other thing in terms of just, just thing for people to ponder is the, the meaning of this the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the, and the, the favor of God upon him so theologians have pondered that line mm. for years and years does Jesus divine nature grow all this kind of stuff right does how could bigger? God incarnate grow because right. he's incarnate thanks everyone see you Sunday <laughs>